Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Better. I am Dr. John Duffy, and with me is the very focused <laughs> Julie Duffy. Hi, honey. Hi. It is a Valentine's Day weekend. Yep. We hung out with our friends last night. Yep. Had a good Valentine's Day meat. So, what what kind of a meat was that? That was a roast. It was a it was a loin. It was a steak. Um, yeah, it was fillet. It was fillet. Very good. It was good. <laughs> and a lovely salad. Yep. We listened to the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I got to say, great band, the Beatles. You should check them out. Just for the record. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> you have uh, some thoughts about family. Well, I feel like I've been hearing a lot of stories lately. <laughs> There's, I don't know, a lot of adult family relationships are, um, I think, in peril. <laughs> I haven't heard a lot of good stories lately. I've heard a lot of bad stories lately. Yeah. About, um, yeah, adult children, like, and and their parents and their, and their parents siblings and sibs, and um, it's kind of a shit show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, we've definitely. And, you know, my family's a little, you know, not as connected as I would have them. So, Unlike my family, where we like to wear our Duffy t-shirts and have our reunions <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah, I just think, um, you know, not to take anybody down, I, 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 I feel, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit bummed about it. And I guess I want to talk about maybe how we can... Uh, make things better. <laughs> Seriously. Um, there's been a lot of stories, you know, around like loss and then wills and, you know, just kind of the decimation of families around um, estates, yeah. you know, uh, without getting specific, like a ton of stories about that, which is such a terrible reason Money. Uh, for heartbreak and disconnection and misunderstanding. And, you know, as that word comes out of my mouth, I think it is based largely in misunderstanding. Uh, I was, the, I whole, was, the whole ball of wax. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Um, so, you know, as you're talking... Um, thinking about like, what do I think this is about? And flashing into my mind, so our friend Michelle Eichard, who we love, who writes about middle schoolers, uh, responded to a query on her Facebook group uh, for middle school parents. Uh -huh. And I don't even remember what the person asked about. What Michelle said was, none of us are the people we were when we were in middle school, but sometimes we hold those um, standards. We hold those beliefs and stereotypes about each other for a lifetime. And I think there's something about, I'm even thinking honestly about the house I grew up in and the presumptions I make about the people in that building and how wrong I probably am. Like, you know, you and I were talking about um, one of my brothers uh, earlier and, you know, um, and a really emotional reaction he had when he was a kid to my sister moving out. Um, my, my family had this crisis where my 17-year-old sister moved out, Mary Ellen moved out with her 
18-year-old boyfriend, Gary, and that this was going to be the collapse of civilization. And 48 years later, Mary Ellen and Gary are very happily married, (laughs) and it all worked out perfectly well. But in the moment, this was the alarm um, in, in my house, and, and, um, and I, my brother was really very upset about this, and, um... When I asked and, you today, and, we, and you asked me, like, why was he upset, and I had an answer, and then you said, well, we should ask him. That's probably, that could be wrong, you know, which yeah, is totally good. I do want to ask him, you know, was, he could have been upset, um... For her, he might have been scared. He, he for might have scared for her. He might have been sad she was leaving. He might have been, you know, upset that his, you know, that your parents were upset. Like it. So, it's just one small example of uh, the narrative, the stories we write about. We write them about ourselves, and we write them about our family members. And I think a lot of times we have no idea, and we don't see their perspective. Um, there's a lot of personal needs we have within our own families. Um, you know, there's a lot of anxieties that come up and then, um, you know, there's alcohol, <laughs> but seriously, I'm just that's feeling a, that, that's a legitimate, um, I, as you're talking, I was thinking about alcohol too. And like, you know, when you talk about adult families getting together, alcohol is almost always a factor. It was even a factor in my family, and my father never drank. You know what I mean? Like, I was in my whole lifetime, he never drank, and yet alcohol was a presence in our house all the time. The lack of it was noteworthy. You know, it was. Yeah, and then sometimes. I'm we, not sure it was always good. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we feel like we all need to get together at the same time. Even though that doesn't work very well, um, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of stories about that lately. No, let's all get together. Let's all get together for this holiday, or let's all get together on this vacation. And we all, and everybody knows that does not work at all. Maybe we should get together separately more. I don't know. Um, I'm. It's been. It's consumed a great deal. A great many hours of my life, this mystery, trying to make things better, trying to fix things, trying to make things happy, trying to make things joyful, trying to make things not messy, trying to make things not, you know, hurt people's feelings, trying to, you know, why can't it just be great and fun? And, um, yeah, it's stolen a lot of my life. And I don't think I've really moved the needle very much. I just kind of make it about me. But um, but you've tried so hard. And I get that. I, it's, and I get that that's heartbreaking to some extent. Um, isn't it okay, though, to recognize, you know what? Some people are really married to an old narrative or not willing to move the needle. So I, I don't need to, to completely disengage, but it's okay for me to step back a little bit. Like if this is, if there is a hint of toxicity there, is it okay to step away from some family relationships? Some people do that. Some people are estranged altogether. Yeah, well, that that is f- sad to me. Um, I it's been something I've kind of been about it my whole life. It's it's one of the great mysteries of life to me. 
how the happy little family, mom and dad, or whatever, you know, or dad and dad and mom, mom, whatever, with the little kids and the happy, da, 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 how it all goes so off the rails. Right. Is there a moment? And, and or... how I feel like we're going to be okay. <laughs> we're, we're 24 years in, and I feel like signs point that we will stay connected. But I think it takes, I want to be really aware as things move forward, as more people come into the fold, more people come into the family, that we are um, in a holding space for them and and giving space to them. And um, I, I want it to be, I want that big, happy family connection going forward. Uh, so maybe the conversation can be, how can we be better at that? The other thing that I'll completely contradict myself, I do think sometimes, you know, we, our friends are our, our family. <laughs> our, yeah. the, the friends, the family we have with friends is, works better, is more um, win-win <laughs> and, um, you know, give you know, more even as far as give and take and um, supportive and um, there's less, um, I don't know. All right, so try this on. <laughs> try this on. Here's, th this is a really important thing to most every single one of us. And I know everybody listening probably is feeling you and you and both of us and grappling with this in their family in some way. And considerate of wanting to be connected to their kids as and and their kids significant others and their grandchildren as things progress as they get older and we're all thinking all of us thinking like what's the formula where does it go off the rails how do we prevent that and um just playing off my own talks that I give a lot of the time I think sometimes we get entrenched in tradition and traditional roles, parent-child, sibling-sibling, and um, this stuff becomes kind of rigid and removed emotionally out of fear and judgment and ego. I know I rest way too much on those words, but those words are weighty and significant. And you know, somebody asked me recently, um, at a talk I gave, I think this was in New Jersey, um, about being friends with your kids. Maybe this was at the fan at the, yeah. but, but well, so, it, that's, that's come up a lot. Okay. So it comes up all the time. And, um, and I usually start my answer by hedging a little bit and saying, Hey, listen, here's what happens. Kids tell me this. What happens is somewhere around adolescence, as our parental anxiety rises, we're the ones, we parents are the ones who take a step back and we become kind of judgmental out of our own fear, out of an honest place of, I want this to work out. And the playbook suggests to me and the way I was raised suggests to me, I step back and now I'm a parent. I'm not your pal. I'm not your buddy. I'm your parent. So I'm going to ask you, is that math homework done? Or what is this I found under your bed? Or can you please put the goddamn phone down? Yeah, yeah. And you become that person, right? And 
And that's the only person you become. And so kids get confused by that and they decide, oh, you're an obstacle to me now. Now, I'm not kidding. You're kind of an enemy. You're not my friend. Right. I get it. So I'll work around you to get to my friends. So I usually say, well, you want to be friendly with your kids. But by the end of the answer, every single time I answer that question, I cite my relationship with my kid. And that kid's my friend. There, yep. and, 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 and when he was eight, he was my friend. Mm-hmm. And when he was 12 and when he was 16 and now. And... I think, I think part of the problem is that it's that narrative that you know, like, mm, at some point we have to be parents, don't we? And it's like if you're thinking about that in a way that engages fear and judgment and ego and only those things, that's going to break you. That's yeah. going to create enormous strife that 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 in some situations can be irreparable. Yeah. What are you thinking? Um, just it's. I mean, it's so. It's really multifaceted. <laughs> well, can I throw one other thought out while you're thinking? Yeah. It's um. In too many families, I think everything becomes humorless, um, no fun, joyless, and ob- ob- obligatory. Oh like- yeah 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 go. Say no, I mean, it, it, um, yeah, it's like, even though this is a mess, even though this doesn't work, and, and, I, and I mean, we got to go visit really, mom and dad, we got to make I've time. Lately, in families, sometimes we can be, families can be the most awful to one another. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm, I'm sorry to be such a doggy downer. I've just seen it all around me so much lately. Um, and so I imagine I'm not alone. Um, I assure you, you're not alone. Really, uh, just mess, messy, messy, dramatic, um, heartbreaking adult family uh, you know, falling apart. But would you agree at least that it is? The adult family thing is a function of something that happened earlier. Of course. Always, right? Of course. That's what, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Sometimes, and sometimes people cut and run. They can't function in the, in the stress. They can't function in the, the context, you know, that they, that they, and and it's a story they make up and, you know, there's the, the, the stories that are made up around them. They just, they can't, they can't operate in that space. And you and I can both think of people it's, very readily who have done yeah. that, who have like really cut and run and probably have spared themselves in a lot of ways, like, uh, and yeah. saved themselves yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I, because the family situation is just too enmeshed and, um, and breaks their spirit. One thing that's worked for me, um, although it, I won't say it wasn't work, (laughs) is shifting, you know, so for example, if you're getting together with family, you know, adult children, adult parents, um, you know, and the whole, the whole gang is shifting energetically out of, oh no, what if this one says this? What if this one does this? Like that 
fear and like right. like painting the picture, thinking about all the things that could go wrong. And I've actually shifted this um, and shifting the energy to I want, you know, everyone to feel great in this experience. I want, you know, I want this person to feel welcome. I want this person to feel like it, it kind of goes back to, I, you know, I want them to see the light in my eyes. I mean, and I, I do work really hard at this. Um, if we all were focused more on the experience of the other people, um, than the fear of what the experience we might have. I think if everybody could do that, that might be super idealistic. Um, that could work. I'll tell you a way that I I shifted it um, in real time personally. I was actually preparing for a visit. I was crabby and I couldn't get anything done. And you know, and then I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I love these people. I want them to have a wonderful time. I want them to feel happy and joyful and feel, you know, welcomed. And and I shifted my energy and it changed the experience 100% because I wasn't bringing, like I have big energy. So I wasn't bringing that, you better not say that, you better not piss me off energy into the visit. You know, I wasn't entering with that. I don't think that's overt, but it's it's underlying, and I have big energy. So I if so if we all bring that, I hope you know hope I don't get hurt here. Hope I don't uh, get um, angry. I hope no alienated here. Yeah, hope I don't get triggered. You know, if we all walk in with that, um, everyone can feel it, and that you know things just go to hell. And I, I think more often than not, you you get yourself in that space. Um, you know, I know that I remember that time and I remember that you had to consciously kind of find that. But typically when we are with family, that's the vibe you bring, whether, you know what I mean? It is like in real time, that's the vibe you bring. What I think becomes a problem for people. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is you. Oh, you can talk about me. No, I, I think, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's um, all of us. I'll include me, but I, I think it's like a lot of people I've talked to, listened to, um, know is you, this is something we were talking about a little bit with Chad and Tiffany last night. Um, you're, it is overly idealistic, I think, to say if everyone would just bring that energy, all you have agency over when you break it down to serenity is what you do what energy you bring. So you almost have to detach from the outcome of what other people are going to do. Unless you make that absolutely um, overt and say, hey, let's all go into this visit like this. Which I've tried. Right? Even then, if you attach yourself to the outcome of how that's going to go, and you know, then, then you're going to be disappointed or you could very well be because you don't have control over that. All you have control over is the energy you bring and how you're going to come at people, right? You know what I mean? And you're right. There's a, there is a difference between coming at people like, I know you're going to do something to piss me off. You know, I'm just waiting for it. I'm waiting for that moment. I've been that guy so many times, so many times. Um, as opposed to like, 
I'm going to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy you. I'm going to let you have your moments. Um, but some, that's hard to do, man, because sometimes the moments can feel toxic. You can feel like, ooh, you're saying awful things. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I remember now why I have this animosity toward you. Yes. <laughs> because you're saying the terrible thing again, you yes. know, like about the other person. The and terrible, yeah. You're, you're, oh, my God, you're doing the thing. Even though I'm making space and I'm coming at this from a very open, happy place where I want you to feel good. You're being an asshole. <laughs> Why are you being an asshole? There you are doing it again. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I made space. I'm. I am. I'm the. I'm the Dalai Lama here, and I'm. I'm inviting you to join me in the goodness. And you're an <laughs> asshole. Right. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, so in a way, the key, little nod to Chad Owen, doctor, is. Um, if you can detach from the outcome and say, you know what, I'm going to bring this energy and I'm not going to get too, too attached to the outcome. So what I do sometimes with members of both of our families and extended families is I'll like, I'll make jokes out of things that offend me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or that I feel cross the line, you know, like you can't say that or, you know, like, no, I guess, I mean, right. It, it, it's if, however one can break the tension, if you, you know, energetically, if you can shift your energy, if you can, you can be really meta about it. I do think it goes back to often how little we really know each other in families like we think we do and we think we're supposed to and we think we're supposed to spend all this time together and some of the you know most important like the holidays and big moments of the year um we we think we're supposed to all be in the same you know joyous place god forsaken house <laughs> <laughs> well and part of it is part of it is that like you know um is the expectations thing right you know it's kind of like you know we want this to be a Hallmark movie and, you know, no family is that family. You know, that that's one thing I have to impress on people in my office all the time because there is a, if we were just more like the Johnsons, everything would be okay. Oh, if yeah. If your kids we were had a only, lot of that. right, you guys had some of that growing up. Um, Over. Uh, we had some of that growing up. Like, you know, I had siblings who wanted wish my parents were more like other parents. You know what I mean? Like somebody else. Yeah. I wish you were more like, yeah, other families. Yes. No, we, we, you know, we, we, a lot of us do that. And we should have as much money as another family (laughs) with like things got as petty, things get as petty as that. Right. You know, and, um, and so in a way we have to recognize nothing's like the ideals that we're holding out, the beliefs we have, not just about our families, but the beliefs we hold about other people's families are always wrong. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say sometimes, man. You know, when we idealize somebody else's life, we are making, we're doing them a disservice, ourselves a disservice, and the people around us a disservice because nobody has an ideal life. Nobody does. And, you know, you, that you hear the bit about, like, if you knew that person's story, you'd be like, oh, I'll take mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know. for sure, for sure. Um, one thing that is in my head right now, so I'm just going to say it, however it fits in, is, you know, at some point, uh, adult parents, 
I mean, parents of adult kids. Um, all you need to say are positive, supportive things. Like, you don't need to judge or direct or criticize. Um, I know that's oversimplified. I hope it resonates with somebody. But, like, I've thought of that a lot. Um, the unconditional just, positive Just regard. many times. Like, at some point, you know, you've done your job. And when, you're get, when you get – you want to be the people people want to be around. I don't know. <laughs> I think part of it has to do probably with – a little bit letting bygones be bygones, a little bit of just being authentic and present for a person. Well, it, I guess... Because that can change anything. Every way you look at this issue, you know, a thought can change. I, I have a... Uh, I know I have a belief that parents have a responsibility to be supportive and accepting and give that unconditional positive feedback that I'm proud of you, that you are good enough. You know, who you are is good enough. And that is a parental responsibility, whether you're 37 or 97. And that is what your kids are going to be looking for their entire lives or they will be broken in some way that only you can fix. Mic drop. There, that's right. I agree with that completely. I love that sentiment. That's that, that, one point of clarity I have. And I, uh, I, that I, I believe it's a parent's responsibility to bring that to the table and you might struggle with it um, at some point in your life but ultimately that's what your kids need from you in order to be in the same space with you it's how important and big and um, vital a parent's energy is in the life of a child in the life of a family in the life of an adult your energy matters till the day you die. You know, like I, I remember um, Bruce saying once um, in one of his solo shows as he's just playing the guitar, playing the piano quietly, he was talking about parenting and how tender it is, how fragile it feels. And he noted like, and you realize like as your kids grow older that, oh, this doesn't change. This doesn't, my my uh, caring for these people, my wanting to tend to their well-being and be connected with them, that's a life sentence. But it's a life sentence I wouldn't trade for anything, you know, like, and, and it is. And you're right about that. That's probably the hub of most family distress is a parent's shifting attitudes, a parent's disappointment, a parent's fear, right? A parent's yeah, I mean, judgment and a parent's ego, right? I mean, you know, like that that tends to be the ripple effect that can cause trouble anywhere else in a family. And if as parents, and even if you're 80, you're still, I agree with you, man. That, that was clarity, Julie. You have that responsibility. That's on you. 
right? With your, I, I, with your 58-year-old kids, that is your job. Because And with your 58-year-olds, with your 27-year-old kids, that's your job. Because your kids, whatever age, there's a certain place they cannot get to without that vibe from you. And so to me, in my opinion, that's a parent's responsibility. And so to the, to the degree that you remain disappointed, um, uh, judgy, um, dismissive, um, you're screwing everything up. You and I cited once, maybe more than once, um, that we saw, I think it was a 60 Minutes interview with a probably 65-year-old Paul Simon. Um, and the interviewer kind of stumbled on, well, you know, you're, you're like you're a great success, right? And he says, no, I don't feel that way because my father never said he was proud of me. Yeah. And imagine that. This is your primary job as a parent, by the way. This is this is the biggest thing you can do, right? You know, like all the other all the guidelines and all the other things, all the setting limits and you know teaching values and all this other stuff. That kids kids organically are always going to get that, but if all they ever get from you is your unconditional positive regard and your you know all the way through, oh yeah, you're right. They're going to show up. They're going to show up for you. Because you showed up for them. That's how relationships work. Well, and work. you know what? I'm just, just, they need that. You know, it, 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 they might look, they might be super messy, but no matter what, they need that from their parents. Um, I just think, period, the end. And uh, yeah. I, I will share one. Can I share like a cautionary thought? Yeah. I, I've worked <laughs> with people who have thrived despite that. And they I marvel at them be, because of their ability to do that without that unconditional positive regard and that kind of like living underneath that, you know, kind of growing in the, between the uh, cement blocks of fear and judgment and the ego of a parent and thriving. And what happens is that, adult that 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 child then adult thrives and has a beautiful life but you're not part of it yeah they'll cut you oh, out yeah. you know what i mean like they will cut you out because they have to they, you know what i mean so um that's what we don't want i mean that, that's what i think we're struggling with here is like you know how do you have that and maintain the relationships and being cut out doesn't mean you're not going to see them but obligation is different than desire Right. I mean, you know, like um, an awful lot of us show up for Christmas because this is what you do. This is in the handbook. But we do it with with, you know, resentment. So so and we can't wait to get the hell out. So just to break it down, even, you know, in a more simple way, a more clear way. Um, real basic is. If we focus on what we like and love about the people in our family more, I think that's going to get us, you know, a little bit more where we want to go. We focus a lot on what bugs us, what we don't like. And another thing that I think parents can't do is speak excessively ill about 
their kids to their other kids. No, because that that suggests it's well, really, it's just dispir- no, it's dispiriting. It's not what it's not what kids are. It's heartbreaking. Um, just to you know, and it's kind of not your other kids' jobs <laughs> to be your sounding board for that. Yeah, no, not- that's really so important. And I guess I feel like throwing this one final thought out. One way as adult siblings to reconnect is to revisit your assumptions about your siblings. I've worked with people who've done that. I've been trying to do that myself. I want it. Yeah, I, 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 I like that idea, actually. I want to do that specifically more um, with my family. And I, I, I just thought of one thing. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't want to lose this. Um, sometimes the parents of adult children drive, overly drive everything, the expectation, the tradition, how things are going to go. And then like in my family, I'll just say, I feel like, you know, then everyone sort of runs or sort of just, uh, either thrives maybe in that scenario or does not. But I feel like my siblings and I have could have stepped up and all gotten that. together more, even separately. You know, and I do try to do that, um, but uh, you almost sometimes forget that's even a possibility. Yeah, like because that's not how it goes, and we're, we all have to go here. We all have to do this, and then everyone we lose that opportunity to get to know each other better as adult siblings. That's my experience. Well, I'll tell you where some of my juice comes from in, so I'll share a bit of my experience. Um, as a lot of you listening know, as you certainly know, Julie, I, I like, I like young people. I like, <laughs> I like, I like the energy and the, um, I don't know. I, lo- I love everything about young people. I like their energy. I like their hopefulness. I like their, um, I like what they're interested in. I'm curious about them. I think there's tons of hope. And I think sometimes as aunts and uncles, we miss the opportunity sometimes to the, the reason to hold family together is to connect with that next generation. You know what I mean? Like to hear a niece say, I like being a Duffy. I think that's awesome. Makes me think, Oh, I want to make being a Duffy awesome for yeah, her, yeah, yeah. and so I'm going to, I'm going to keep these all these frayed wires together because I, that, I'm going to find the juice to do that because I want every generation to feel that way. Yeah, you, when you show up for your family and for your like nieces and nephews, it means everything to them. Like family's really important. I hope that's clear. I mean, you know, I well, you know. Our family and my kid and my, you know, my nieces and nephews are, you know, mean everything to me. And, um, yeah, I, I think there's roles we play as a family that cannot be um, subbed out. Yeah, I think that's right. No, I think if you're looking for a reason, you know, because a lot of people are like, you know, no, Screw it. I give up. You know what I mean? Like, I've tried too long. You know, I, I, just kind yeah, of focus on the littles. Focus on the focus littles. Focus on the littles. And that, there's a reason with the littles, even if the littles are 
24, <laughs> which sometimes they are. Yeah. Um, have we beaten this horse pretty dead? I don't even know. I don't I, know. I, it's just what's on my mind. And, um, you know, this is real specific, but I've seen a lot of heartbreak around this recently. You know, don't give your final uh, dagger to your family and your kids uh, with your will in your estate. Right, right, right. Um, that's real specific, but it is you 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 devastate and decimate your entire family when you do that in a in an unfair, unequal, you know, kind of punitive way. You can absolutely just ruin a family forever. So, um as a final note, I um This is I, soups heavy, but Hold on, this I'm going to lighten it up a little okay. bit here. Um, in the New York Times this week, last week maybe, was a piece about Schitt's Creek, the the uh, sitcom, okay. the, the Dan and Eugene Levy sitcom, which father and son write this thing, right? Uh, created it together, um, Dan primarily. but um, And uh, it was analyzing. So there is this, uh, for people who watch this show, there is um, an enormous support for it people so uh people either don't watch it or are madly in love with it like and, and effectively the writers arguing like no show in recent history you know other than like lost where it's like whoa this is crazy we've never seen anything like this here's a very very basic thing rich family loses their money moves to a, moves to a poor town right seems like a loser right like it seems like a loser idea right. why are we so drawn to this situation. And in the end, the writer said, in the end, the point is this family, this, this, this family of four, they love each other. They love each other unconditionally. They're zany. They're out of control. They're insane in every way. And yet their, their love shows through every single scene. It's unequivocal. It, it is, uh, you know, every time, you know, one does what's, what's the girl's name? Oh my God, David! Oh, I know. No, sorry. I okay. I can't um, think of her name. Anyway, um, you know, like, and and he's like, ew, or you know, whatever, you know, and and David is, I don't know if David's gay or bisexual, and he's in a relationship with a man, and that's never even an issue with anybody, you know. What do you mean you don't know if he's gay? He's gay. Well, he slept with Stevie. Oh right. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about this all day long, no, but I mean, I'm no, not sure. No. I mean, I. Um, but in any event. The point is that even in these dire straits, you're looking at this family who is um, crazy about one another. And they are, you know, in, in a situation that you would think would drive a family apart. They're together and they are Alexis. Alexis. <laughs> and they're units together. And, um, and the adult parents who, you know, like you could argue that Moira is completely self-centered and self-involved, but in the end, the point of the story was they always show up for each other. And if you think about it, scene by scene, episode by episode, that's 100% true. And that is what is so endearing. And what what's great about it is they get to this town and you feel the family growing. You feel oh, like yeah. the closeness in the family growing to these friends and extended family. And David's getting married and this is going to be this. So they're talking about like, why are they ending it now? It's on a roll. And Dan Levy, the creator, is saying, because I want to leave you with the hope 
I want I want to leave yeah. you, I want to leave you with the <laughs> hope. Hanging there too long, it's gonna right, fall right, right. No, but with the hope of like I want you to picture what it's gonna be. I want I want you to decide. Yeah, they found their humanity when they lost all their money. Yeah. We should all be so lucky. So there's I that. <laughs> um, I, I think that is that a fair note to end on. Sure, because it's been a lot. It's been a lot, and this is better. And make it better. Yeah, make it better. Make it better. Love you, honey. Love you, honey. Bye, guys.